This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm really delighted to welcome back to the program, virtually this time, life coach Jenny Transky, who was actually last here in January 2020 at Zoomer Radio. And so much has happened since then, and Jenny's really here to help us figure it all out. Namely, where do we go from here in this world that has lately felt like an upside-down cake? But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Jenny Triansky. Jenny is an ICF credentialed professional certified coach with a whole life, whole person approach. In her thriving private coaching practice, she works virtually with clients all over the world, specializing in working one-on-one with people who are driven, yet highly self-critical, She coaches clients to build meaningful, authentic lives, tackling personal and professional challenges with self-compassion and resilience as they move forward towards their goals, fueled with confidence, love this, instead of self-criticism. Jenny also has a passion and interest in helping people value authentic self-care as an essential ingredient to living a full life. Her private group program and employee wellness seminar, Running on Rest, just linger over that phrase, it just sounds so good, empowers people to use rest as fuel for their busy lives, emphasizing that taking good care of ourselves first is how we can bring our best to the work, people, and things that we give energy to every day. In addition to coaching private clients. Jenny also is a writer and a speaker, a workshop and group leader, and mindful self-compassion advocate. She juggles life in Toronto with her husband and young daughter and her work with clients all over the world. So happy she could fit us into this very busy and beautiful life. Jenny, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much. It's it sounds busy hearing it back like that, um, but it's this work is my passion, and so it gives me energy. Truly, I understand that so well, and we're so grateful that there are people like you doing this work. And I have to ask you, Jenny. Here we are, two years plus into the pandemic, and people are exhausted and burnt out from heavy workloads, pandemic fatigue, and just the general state of the world these days. And We know in theory that self-care is the answer, but most people don't know what that actually means for them. And you say that people often look outside of themselves for self-care. What do you mean by that? And how can people reach inside for a deeper connection to self-care? Ooh, yes. Um, Well, I'm going to answer that question with a bit of a story about one of my clients. And she gave me permission to tell this story, her story, because she knew that it would have an impact and that it would resonate. So I was working with somebody for a long period of time, over a year. And I was scratching my head because this person kept saying, I don't know what self-care is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do or what to reach for when I do have time. And I barely even have any time. This is a person who is definitely a high achiever in a very high impact job. And I kept hearing over and over, 
I don't know what self-care is. And I kept saying, reflecting back to this person, you have articulated what your self-care is time and time again. And some of the specifics were Pilates, slow movement, like dance, listening to a certain type of music, Mm -hmm. solitude. This is a very extroverted person. So they consider themselves, you know, to be very social, very extroverted. And solitude was something that they said really fills them up. Walks, (laughs) walks with friends who are Mm -hmm. energy giving instead of energy depleting. And so I kept pointing this out to the person and they, they just couldn't see it. Like to them, it was, yeah, but those are just like hobbies. Those are just, that's not self-care. And so I, I wanted to crack this nut with this client and I came across a Ted talk online by a woman named Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith, who is now I'm, I'm raising my hands. One of my <laughs> guru, gurus, guru status. One of my gurus, one of my teachers. Um, she yeah. wrote a book called Sacred Rest, highly recommend it. She also mm-hmm. has amazing tools on her website. But this TED Talk, she did this TED Talk in 2019. And the TED Talk is called The Real Reason Why We Are Tired and What to Do About It. And wow. what she describes in this TED Talk is what I'm calling a framework And it's, for me, it's a perspective. It's a lens to offer people to look at rest in a different way, rest and self-care in a different way. And so she talks Mm -hmm. about the seven types of rest, that there's not just one type. It's not just sleep. It's not just relaxation, that there are seven types. Um, And I'll just quickly run you through, we don't have time to get into all of them today, but physical rest, which could be active Mm -hmm. or passive, mental rest, emotional rest, Mm -hmm social rest, creative rest, sensory rest, and spiritual rest. Can I interrupt you for one second and just ask you, when you say creative rest, what do you mean by that? Mm, Well, again, I have learned, I am now the shepherd of this information because I've learned so much from Dr. Dalton Smith's work. And this one really hit me, creative rest. If there are seven types of rest, that must mean that there are seven types of depletion. And so when we are creatively depleted, We need to fill ourselves back up with stuff that inspires us, that re-inspires creativity. So I kind of like to look at it like a battery, you know, like a cell phone battery. Mm -hmm. That's an image that we can all relate to. All day long, different things deplete our energy in different ways in these seven different buckets. And we need to be able to reach for it. We need to be honest with ourselves. So have the self-awareness to recognize Mm -hmm. in what ways am I depleted right now? And then, Mm. so what will I reach for to fill myself back up? So creative rest, it's going to look different for every human being, right? For me, creative rest, I actually like to do creative things with my hands, like actually make things. And I have a child, so it's, you know, I can delve into (laughs) a, a crafty project or something with her and then value it as my rest. And that is delicious, right? But for some other people with creative rest, I like to think of what brings you into a flow. You're so in the flow of it that you're not thinking about anything else. You're not worrying. You're not feeling your stress, right? And so, yeah, you're filling yourself back up in these different ways so that you now have enough energy to give back out. 
I'm fascinated by this and I I want to hear what ended up happening with the client, but I want to also ask you about spiritual rest because that's so related to our show. Mm -hmm. Does spiritual rest mean mindfulness? Does it mean prayer? I guess it's different for everyone, but how would you speak to spiritual rest? Yeah, spiritual rest was one that I didn't initially know what to do with personally, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. Dr. Dalton Smith talks about Spiritual rest is going to, like you said, look different for everyone, but it really is about cultivating belonging and contribution Mm. and purpose and community. So, you know, we go through periods in our life where maybe we don't even realize we've been really cut off from feeling like we're contributing. And so we might end up in a place where we feel like, what's the point? And I know a lot of people started feeling that way especially in the early days of the pandemic. Like, what is the point of all of this? What is the point of life, really? And so spiritual rest are those things that invite you to cultivate belonging and community. So maybe for some people, it is contributing in the community. It could be volunteering. It could be contributing in some other way. Or for other people, it actually could be if you are a spiritual person, if religion is important to you, maybe it's reconnecting with that part of your life, right? For me, belonging, that word belonging is really important. And I know through mindful self-compassion practice, one of the pillars of mindful self-compassion is common humanity. And so, you know, reconnecting to sort of the common humanity in our suffering, in the hard parts of life, you know, um, that stuff I find really brings me alive spiritually. So Jenny, when we look at Ukraine, and I'm sure many of us have made donations, and I know I I keep making donations and trying to talk about it on the show and to do whatever I can, but there's such a feeling of helplessness for people, because not all of us can go to Poland or Ukraine to help physically. What can we do other than giving a donation to deal with this? It's a really big question, and I think it extends even beyond you know, world events are very heavy right now. And there's a lot of heavy period, right? Like even the impacts of the pandemic, like it's impacted people in different ways. So there's a lot of heaviness out there, right? And it affects us for sure. I think the only thing we can do when we've done everything that is reasonably possible, the only thing we can Mm -hmm. do is turn inward right? And soothe ourselves through the heaviness, through the pain, through the suffering, because we can't discount our own suffering. In mindful self-compassion, they use the word suffering. You know, there's sort of like big S and little S. Like we like to think of suffering. Suffering isn't, I can't use that word because it's people in Ukraine are suffering and they are. People in other places in the world are suffering. Here I am and, you know, with my first world problems, my suffering isn't as big as other people's. But guess Mm -hmm. what? Suffering is suffering. Mm-hmm. challenge, mm-hmm. pain, it's part of life. Yeah. And when we diminish our own suffering because it's not as big as someone else's, we're kind of pushing down what's true. And that that's never good for our sense of self-care and our rest, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's really important, A, to be honest about your emotions. Emotional rest, going back to the seven types of rest, emotional rest means finding spaces and places and people where we can process our pain and our sadness and our heaviness, safe spaces where we can have that common humanity with other people, be witnessed, say the hard stuff and get it out of us. It's not going to solve the problems, Mm -hmm. but it does have a major impact on our rest and self-care. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I do have clients who are directly impacted by 
the world events, whether they have family there or they're part of communities that are impacted. And one thing that I really want to honor is our wholeness, even in our suffering. People who are suffering tend to also really crave joy, moments of joy. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe we, we could... Our self-talk might tell us, oh, I don't deserve, I can't be joyful in a time like this, in such a heavy time. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, those moments of joy, even if they're small, are so important. Like we need them so that we can show up and be strong Mm -hmm. for the people who need us. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And also I find the people of Ukraine are using humor and they're using music. They're showing resilience and they're showing that they can still find joy in the middle of all of this, which is so incredible. But what a message. Absolutely. To us, as you say, right, with our first rule. What happened to your client in terms of reconnecting with her self-care? So... (laughs) This is why I'm sharing the story because again, for somebody who just had such a hard line of like, that's not, you know, those things aren't my self-care. This framework of the seven types of rest really cracked them open, right? Cracked the person open and they were able to reframe rest Mm -hmm. and self-care. Oh, right. (laughs) So if my energy is being depleted in these different ways, and I know that a walk with a friend who is energy giving fills me back up, okay, I guess I, I have no choice but to value this now as my self-care. And that, mm-hmm. I've seen it happen with other clients as well. And with the women in my group program that focuses on this rest work as well. When we weren't putting value on our rest and self-care, this just helps us recognize these different activities and practices as essentials, that they're not nice to haves mm-hmm. or maybe when I'm done my work, no. They are essential to fill me back up so that I have enough to give to the people and things and the obligations that take my energy. And so that's why I love this concept of running on rest. We can run our lives on rest. That's so fabulous. You teach people how to value rest. And in fact, you created this wonderful wellness webinar called Running on Rest. Can you tell us about your brainchild? What does it look like? Yeah, I actually developed sort of two different ways to do this work at the same time. So I have a private group program that is exclusively for women and people who identify as women, because women in particular, have we have a lot of barriers to rest. A lot of it is it's inherited, it's baked into our culture. And so I wanted to create a space for women to come together to really dive into this rest work. And then the work is just so good and so powerful for people. I created an employee wellness webinar because employees are struggling right now across the board. I see that with my clients who all come from different industries. My husband works at an organization in employee engagement and communications, and I hear it from his side. Like Employers are really stumped on how do we help How do we help our employees who are struggling right now? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I felt it was important to offer this perspective to people, again, so that they start to value their rest and self-care as essentials, so that they're filling themselves up so that they can show up for everything and everyone that needs them. Mm, I love that. What are your thoughts on the nap, the old-fashioned nap, 15 minutes a day? And is this something that you recommend that an employee does in the middle of their workday is just curl up wherever they can and have a little nap. Yes. If that fills <laughs> you back up, like here, here's the, here's the formula. It's very simple. 
If something fills you with energy, if it fills you up, it's self-care, the end. Mm -hmm. And nobody can argue that, right? And so I think, you know, one of the biggest barriers to rest are our beliefs around rest and productivity. In my old life, I (laughs) used to work in television. I was a television executive. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I was a perfectionist. I did not know how to care for myself. And back then, I would never, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even dream of lying down during the workday. I mean, like, who does that, right? And now I use rest during my workday. Sometimes when I'm really busy and I need to show up for something important, I will lie down in the middle of my workday if it's possible. And people think, oh, but I have no time. Do you have five minutes? Do you have two minutes? Do you have 20 minutes? We'll stand in line at the coffee shop for 20 minutes. 100%. How about taking a nap? It's so true. You know, we started this interview with a few breaths, but even for two minutes a day, because as you say, do you have five minutes? Everyone has two minutes. It's unbelievable how cleansing and calming and safe it feels to just say, you know what? I'm just going to breathe in, breathe out, count one, and I'm going to do that all the way to 10 and backwards the second time. And right away, you just feel instant relief. It's like an instant, you know, tranquilizing effect. And that's two minutes. So much can happen in two minutes. We can lie down and even just notice what does it feel like to lie here on the surface, tuning into the feeling of being held. The end. And just breathe with that. Nice. That's a cool one. I love that one. Most of us, though, Jenny, don't start looking for ways to rest and recharge until we're completely burnt out. And you say this has to be done way before that to prevent running on empty and constantly chasing your tail or feeling behind the eight ball. Can you tell us more about how to sort of prevent the cold rather than cure it? Yeah. And again, I ha- this is why I love this framework of the seven types of rest, because if we look at it again, like a, you know, Like our cell phone. If our cell phone dies during the day, most of us will go to great lengths to (laughs) plug it in, find a plug. Like I remember even in the past being late for a meeting because there's no way I'm letting my phone run out of juice. We need to treat ourselves the same way, right? We need to be, A, we need the self-awareness to be able to ask ourselves at different points in our day, how am I? What do I need right now? Or maybe even in which ways am I depleted? Am I mentally exhausted mm-hmm. at this moment? If I am, okay, what is something that I can reach for to help me clear my head? And how much time do I realistically have? So it's about working with what's available to you and like, you know, doing a little bit of prevention work beforehand. I like to say one of my rest teachers, her name is Karen Brody. She's another person who I've learned so much from. Um, her work is called Daring to Rest. She talks about rest as medicine, which it is. Mm. And so in my workshops, I want people to be able to write themselves a prescription preventatively so that they know what to reach for when they have five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, half an hour, an hour. What activities, what practices will you reach for to fill yourself back up? So if you're feeling mentally exhausted, but you've got a crazy day, like I'm thinking about a day where I have three interviews and pickups and we've got to get a show to Zoomer with the in and out cues. Uh, That's all the editing that happens. And all this is happening. And I'm mentally exhausted. What is a tip that if I were to come to you as Jenny, the life coach, what would you suggest? 
Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with certified life coach Jenny Triansky when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. back and this is finding your bliss on zoomer radio am 740 and we're talking to an amazing coach jenny transky and i was just asking you jenny what do i do when i'm mentally exhausted and i need to refresh and recharge in the middle of the day well first i would suggest that we explore like we have to look inside into what works for you because i can't prescribe a tip one tip that's going to be universal for all people and that's what i mean when i say we look outside we like to look outside of ourselves oh this book has my answer oh this this <laughs> ted talk even has my answer and the thing right. is there's great ideas out there and we need to try different things so that we know what works for us mm-hmm. but only we know what works for us right so if i'm mentally exhausted for me, yoga nidra, which is, it's not just a nap, it's sleep meditation. It's guided. That is always what clears my head, my mind, right? And usually I do Karen Brody, Daring to Rest, yoga nidra meditations. Most of them are, you know, the shortest one is probably 10 minutes. I know that that is going to just reset my mind. It's going to help me dump things out. But if you really only have a little bit of time, it might be a walk around the block. Seriously, it's amazing how going for a walk and breathing fresh air really can help people clear their minds. For some people, it's going for a Mm. run. That is not, I am not that person. Um, But going for a walk and breathing fresh air, yes, I find that that is so helpful, right? And really, if you only have two minutes, you can just go outside and wherever you are and just breathe fresh air, even if you don't have time for the walk. There's always a way. I love those two tips that you just gave. Can you get some of these Yoga Nidra, Karen Brody little exercises or workouts online? Karen Brody has a website called daringtorest.com and you can buy, they're not very expensive, Yoga Nidras that she has available in different themes. She has a membership program that I've been part of since the beginning for the last three years called Rested. Her work is really geared towards women. Again, I've learned so much from her specifically about women and the essential um, aspect of rest for women. And, you know, she talks about radical rest because it shouldn't be radical, but in our culture of do, 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 go, 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 push, 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 hustle, it is radical Mm -hmm. to rest. And so um, I would follow her on Instagram, go to her website. She has taught me so much. So cool. That's so cool. I should have both of you on the show one day. What happened, Jenny, in your life to make you value self-care as an essential ingredient in order to be able to show up as your best self and to help others? Because as you say, you've got to take the oxygen mask, you know, put it on your face first before you give it to your child. What prompted you to want to really learn how to value self-care? Well, I burnt out. 
that's the honest answer. I, I completely burnt out. And, you know, for me, my burnout was one ingredient that led me to a complete career change at almost 40 years old. There were many other aspects to that. And so I'm a little bit grateful for my burnout. But looking back in my old life, when I was so, I put so much pressure on myself. I was my ideal client, high achiever, loud inner critic, very hard on myself. I was also very disconnected from my own body. And I only know that now looking like I, I had no, I had no sense of self care. I didn't know what to do for myself to help myself. And so, um, yeah, burnout, my burnout led me to the point where I really, I didn't feel like myself anymore. I was like, who am I? What is this? And it wasn't just at work. I was noticing that it was coming home with me and it was blocking me from drawing fulfillment and joy from the things that really mattered to me. And so I really had to take a good hard look at like, how am I running my life? I was running on empty. I was running on fumes all the time. And, you know, the other the other practical piece, and this is how I came to find Karen Brody's work is a couple of years ago, my iron was so low, it was almost non-existent. Oh dear. And I was actually, I was exhausted. Um, Mm. And I found this work of Karen Brody and this radical rest work. And it just opened my eyes to, again, how disconnected I was from my own body and my own needs. And when I started doing yoga nidra meditation, it just, woof, it opened me up to a whole new world of opportunities. I love that word yoga nidra. We had a wonderful yoga nidra woman who's been on this show as well, Rachel McGarry from London, Ontario, and just does this beautiful work. And it's like music to my ears when you say that phrase. What are you hearing from your clients these days in your group programs? Like, What are people really craving right now? Well, I will tell you, people, especially women, are craving safe spaces where they can be honest and they can be raw and they can drop the masks and the pretenses and just be real. I hear this time and again in my private group program. That's one of the biggest takeaways for me is that even just having a space where these women can come together in a safe space where they could just share what's true and real, and then also see that they're not alone, hear from each other, share their struggles. Again, it might not solve all the problems, but it it gives them relief and a release. And it actually does bring them calm in the chaos to be able wow. to have that shared experience. That's so awesome. A huge expression for all of us. I think they're lucky to have you is what I was going to say. They're lucky to have you in that group setting. A huge expression for all of us used to be FOMO, which means fear of missing out. And you say it's starting to creep back into our vernacular. But I find since COVID and and really since the pandemic that a lot of us are experiencing more JOMO, which is actually the joy of missing out. And I had a wonderful conversation with Montreal Gazette columnist and humorist Josh Freed about this. And he talked about in many couples, there's an extrovert and an introvert. And all the introverts are saying now, yay, we don't have to go anywhere. We can stay home. The idea of a blissful night these days is to stay home and not to have to go out. And so how do you motivate people, Jenny, to look at life with more JOMO and less FOMO? Well, I actually, I wrote a, I wrote a piece on, you can read it on my website about embracing the joy of missing out in the face of FOMO um, through these, you know, these pandemic times, because I have been seeing from a lot of clients that 
they recognized that their lives were way too full and way too busy and way too scheduled before the pandemic. And in pandemic times, they have in, in the, you know, whether they're introverts or extroverts, I actually think that the pandemic has shown us all that there's much more of a gray spectrum, you know, inside all of us. But I've seen so many clients find joy, find pleasure in a slower pace of life. And so, yeah, there's this really interesting thing happening now because, and I feel it myself in my own life, like as things are opening up and we have more opportunities to be social again and fill all our calendars, I'm hearing from people there's a bit of a fear of going back, going back to the stuff that wasn't working, going back to the stuff that was taking too much from us. And again, if we're going back to sort of like energy, right? Looking at how much energy we give mm -hmm. and the need to fill it back up. I think that people are now moving towards more of an understanding that we need to protect our energy and maybe being mm -hmm. a little bit more intentional about what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, inviting ourselves to miss out on purpose because we know that, you know, it might be nice to go for coffee with friends, but if we are socially exhausted, or just mm -hmm. exhausted, period. Right, right. We actually might really need the solitude at home. And then maybe there's something else, another activity. Like, again, maybe it is just being in silence or it's reading or it's doing some activity that we found joy in in the slower pace of life over the last two years. And right. so I think people are just starting to become a little bit more intentional and hopefully setting better boundaries, being able to really speak up for their needs. And when it's a no, really being able to say, no. And you can say it kindly and you can say it respectfully, but no, because I choose to miss out on this. Yes. I love the expression. Every time you say yes to something, what are you saying no to? Mm -hmm. So I have a question about someone who's a workaholic. Mm -hmm. So their passion and their energy definitely comes from work mm -hmm. because they love it, but they don't have a lot of work-life balance. And you say that work-life balance is a magical unicorn that doesn't exist. What do you mean by that? Well, I hear, so, I mean, so many of my clients come to coaching searching for, I just need that thing. I need that thing that other people have, that work-life balance thing. And so I think, you know, I think a lot of people have this idea that everyone else has it figured out and I don't have it figured out. But because each of us are unique human beings with different pictures of our lives, obligations, responsibilities, schedules, and then also values and priorities, how can there be one prescription or one picture of work-life balance. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. I don't think we're never going to get it perfectly balanced. Things change at different periods in our lives. So we have to look at where am I right now in this current period of life? What do I need and want to prioritize? And what can I let go of? And I, I think flowing within that, like for me, it's just, it's a sense of internal harmony. So I know what it feels like. I It's not like my life is equally divided between work and other things in my life. My life is so full. All of our lives are full. It's not just work against the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Work is one piece of life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I really look at how am I flowing through the different aspects of my life and my responsibilities. And, yeah. you know, workaholic, workaholic is a label that I think some of us, or I used to wear even as like a badge of honor it's not a badge of honor to be a workaholic. If you draw fulfillment from your work, which I very much do, amazing. That is the ideal. 
But workaholic has like, it's an oppressive sort of label that we put on ourselves. And oftentimes this label of workaholic comes with a lot of beliefs that block us from rest and self-care. If you're a workaholic, you're going to push and grind and push through just to get it all done. And maybe you'll rest later. Mm -hmm, Well, mm -hmm. I know that that like that is a recipe for disaster and it's a recipe for burnout. So just asking for a friend, what do you say to that person who's a slave to their work and has lost the ability to have ownership? Like they can't break away from it because they're so inextricably tied to it. Right. So I would say that that person needs to do a lot of self-awareness, self-discovery work and ask themselves a lot of real hard, honest questions. And one of the most important pieces is being able to unpack, first of all, to untangle who you are from what you do. Who you are is not what you do. And, uh, you know, I'm guilty of living that way. I had them totally enmeshed back in my old life and in my old work. But who you are, that's where you look to figure out what do I value? What is meaningful to me? What do I want to make sure is in my life so that I'm living a purposeful, fulfilling life? And then it's looking at, okay, well, what is getting in the way of me being able to lean into those things. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to ask yourself some questions. First of all, being able to write down even what are my barriers to rest and self-care? What are the beliefs? What are the beliefs that I've inherited? What are the beliefs that I, uh, I, you know, a good way to even look at this is to ask yourself, what are some of my, I would nevers, right? Just like I said before, I would never lie down in the middle of the workday. Well, who, why, who says? Who says that that's a rule? Like, blow these things up. Look at your barriers to rest. Look at your belief systems, the people, what was modeled to you. And then crack them open and question them because that's what gets in our way. You have all these wonderful things. And I know you're going to have to come back. This is what I'm realizing because we, I know they're telling me to wrap, but I, I love that you talk about in order to lead a more rested life, you need boundaries and you need to ask for help and challenge your beliefs. You have so many wonderful, wonderful ways that we can learn how to be true to ourselves. And I I really do want you to come back and tell us more, but now it comes to the end. So I'm going to ask the question that I always ask Jenny, and that is what is bliss these days? For Jenny Transky. Ooh, that's a big question. I feel uh, there's so many answers kind of popping up for me. What is bliss? Bliss is deep connection. I think I might have said this the last time I was with you. This is what's true for me. Like I think about my daughter who's now, you know, she's eight years old. She's really changing into this incredible human being who I actually really enjoy spending time with. So bliss for me is first and foremost spending time with my daughter and my husband and really like being present when I'm in those moments, that's like one of the most blissful things ever. But you know, in the work that I do, it's the deeply connecting with another human being, which is a privilege in the work that I get to do. There's nothing more blissful, honestly, whether it's over something we're celebrating or just sort of holding space for some suffering. It is deeply meaningful and very blissful for me. Wow. Well, I have to tell you, I I don't know why that answer kind of brought me to tears just because I really felt it. I really felt your answer was so beautiful and and authentic and I just really could relate to it. What is the best way, Jenny, for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? 
So you can visit my website, jennytriansky.ca. I have an Instagram account, Jenny Triansky Coaching. I have a Facebook uh, page and I'm on LinkedIn. So I'm sort of, uh, those are the places where I play and where you can find me on my social media. I try to share real life, um, you know, the bits of being human because, you know, gratefulness. I wrote a piece also on this concept of gratefulness, which really talks about the gratefulness of life. And the gratefulness of life is the good, the bad, the ugly, the beauty, all of it together. And so um, I try to share posts that really speak to that. That's so fantastic. I want to tell you all also that you can sign up for Jenny Triansky's newsletter for occasional emails with helpful insights, resources, and news about new programs and workshops. And for a complimentary exploration call with Jenny to determine if there's a great connection and fit, you can actually just send her an email to Jenny Triansky. I'm going to spell that for you. J-E-N-N-Y-T-R-Y-A-N-S-K-Y at gmail.com or you can connect with her through her website. I want to thank you so much, Jenny Transky, for being on the show today. It was great having you here, even virtually, and for parting words about self-care in these crazy COVID years. Yes. Again, if it fills you up, it is self-care, and nobody can argue that. Nobody needs to understand it. If something feels good to you and is helpful to you, you need to make more space for it in your life. And the best way to look at self-care is that self-care, when I take care of myself, it's not just about me. It's about me and the people who need me, rely on me, and the people who I love. Because when I take care of me, I show up better for you. Oh, that just gave me the chills. I love that. Jenny Transky, it was so wonderful having you here again. Will you come back again? onto the program. I would love to. I would love to come back. Thank you, Judy. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. So much fun. We're going to go on a short commercial break, more with Finding Your Bliss, when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're now joined by a very talented artist. Her name is Amelia DeCola. And Amelia DeCola is a singer-songwriter from Woodbridge, Ontario. And really from the age of seven years old, she started classical training in voice and in piano through studies at the Royal Conservatory of Music. She continued her learning at Western University, where she graduated with a degree in music education at the Don Wright Faculty of Music, and that was with honors. And she then achieved a student audition scholarship at Berklee College of Music in Boston. And she completed a diploma at Berklee in professional music, collaborating really with top musicians worldwide and learning from industry professionals. Besides 
Besides classical music, Amelia loves to perform different musical genres such as R&B and jazz and pop. She has performed at various locations in the GTA and Berklee College of Music in Boston. Amelia is currently working on more original music to release in the near future, and she looks forward to inspiring others with her music and sending out messages of love and positivity. Amelia, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I really do appreciate it. It's an honor for me too to have you here. I have to say that anytime I've heard you sing, I've just been blown away. And I'd love it if you could just take our audience back to the very first time that you ever sang at that recital in a church when you were only seven years old. And I think you sang Tomorrow from Annie, if I'm not mistaken, and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. What do you remember about that first performance and how you felt really when you performed for the first time? Well, when I was seven years old, I definitely was very nervous. You know, first time performing in front of an audience, let alone in front of my parents. And, you know, I just wanted to make them proud, just like any daughter would. But my mom always like, and both of my parents, actually, they always believed in me. They always knew that there was a voice in there that I had ever since I was a baby too, just like making all these sounds. I would pick up lyrics really fast. So they just knew right away voice lessons and piano lessons for sure. So uh, I owe it to them uh, in terms of my, you know, passion for music and everything. Um, so getting up on that stage, you know, it, it was a start of something great. It was the start of something to share with everyone. And singing Tomorrow by Annie was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Same with Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So, you know, on that stage, I was nervous, but also excited to sing my favorite songs. And I think one part that I remember was that when I finished singing those songs, I just ran off the stage. I forgot to bow. So then I had to run back on (laughs) again, (laughs) just hiding in my mom's arms. (laughs) You know what that reminds me of is that my aunt and uncle's wedding, I was a flower girl when I was six and I forgot to scatter the flowers in the little basket. So I got to the end of the aisle and I just (laughs) dumped them all (laughs) into one spot. That's what it reminds me of. That's very sweet. We never forget these, uh, these special first memories, right, of the thing that we love to do. Do you write your own music? And can you tell us what the process is as a songwriter? Yeah, so I actually didn't start really writing until I got into Berklee College of Music. You know, I've always had a passion listening to other artists and their lyrics always inspired me. So I think writing for me, it's very therapeutic, depending on what I'm going through in my life. If it's happy, if it's sad. It's something that, you know, I just need to get all my feelings out on paper. It's something that I love to do. Um, In terms of my writing process, what I like to do is either come up with some chords. I like to just sing, you know, ad lib a bit here and like, ooh, that melody sounds good. Or I listen to like an instrumental track and I try to just sing whatever comes to my mind, whatever I feel like subconsciously. And um, based on that, I record it, I hear it back and then I write lyrics over it. So that's kind of my process right now. I also think co-writing, working with other songwriters is super helpful. You don't want to stay into like one idea. I know sometimes you always get stuck on that idea with the song, but then another person will hear it and be like, oh, um, I don't know if I like that. Maybe change this and this. And it's kind of hard. You got you to gotta be open-minded. You have to take criticism. And it's super hard, especially when you're stuck on that one thing. And you're like, oh, yes. that's the way it sounds. But then you hear other people's opinions. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, man, but they didn't like it. But <laughs> you kind of just have to be open to everything because, you sure. know, not, not all songs you're going to hear out of mine you're going to like and 
and some songs you are, you're going to like, and you're going to relate to it. And, and that's just all a part of the game. There's like this song that I wrote recently, um, that I showed my friends and I was like, guys, I really like this song. Da, da, da. They're like, Oh yeah, I like it. You know, they were just like, Oh yeah, I like it. And then there was other song that I was like, not so crazy about. And they were like, Oh, I love this one, you know? So it's, it's always something. So you never know with somebody's ears, everybody has a different it's so true. Yeah. There's a very famous songwriter that I know did not like one of her songs at all. And it became her hit. Like she didn't think it was yeah, exactly. you know, up to her level. And yet that was the one that resonated with the public and became a very, very famous, like, right, right. you know, iconic tune. So it's so true what you're saying. If I could wave a magic wand and say you could achieve anything you wish to as a singer, songwriter, or just as a person, what would be your ultimate goal as an artist? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think for me, I mean, collaboration is huge. You know, networking is so important, especially in the music industry. So for me, like writing for top artists would be good. Just getting involved in that whole music industry scene. So I know that you work for a very cool company and you're really sort of doing the business of music, which must help your actual artistry as a singer songwriter, because you sort of get to see the full picture perspective. What do you exactly do in the company that you work for? So I'm the, basically the client relations manager. I kind of, you know, make sure that everything is good with releases with the record labels. So we do just standard distribution, which is basically, you know, just releasing music for record labels on Apple music, Spotify. Um, but then we also provide marketing features. So giving pre-save links or setting up Instagram ads or doing TikTok campaigns or different types of social media campaigns is what we do. Would you say this helps you in your own artistry as a singer songwriter to sort of see how to deal with the record labels and how to work, you know, sort of in the industry, like does it inform your own work? Yeah. So it definitely um, gets my foot in the door in terms of talking with record labels since I'm like the front face, communicating, making sure that everything's, you know, up to par, making sure they're getting all their services needed. But it also just gives me, you know, information on the music business side, what happens on the back end of the music industry. You know, it's interesting, Amelia, as I'm listening to you, I'm listening and I, I know your singing voice is like magnificent and I can't wait to share with our listeners. But even your speaking voice, you can tell that you're a singer. Like you have a gorgeous tone and a gorgeous resonance just to your speaking voice. So it's so funny as I'm listening to you, I'm going, oh, I so get that she's a singer. I know you studied classical music at Western University and then you went on to Berkeley where you concentrated more on jazz and pop and R&B. How did classical music help prepare you for your studies at Berkeley? And let me start with that. Well, yeah, I think it definitely set up a foundation for sure. I think with classical training, you know, it, it just places you right in the voice technique wise. I'm a soprano. I was always a soprano as a kid. So it definitely, you know, gets me to the higher ranges that I need to do with my falsetto and everything. And, you know, it, it helps me produce power, but in like a healthy place. Yes. So definitely coming into Berkeley where Berkeley, you know, is focused on R&B, they're focused on pop, they do all contemporary genres. And, um, you know, coming from the classical scene into that, which was super like eye opening, I kind of took that technique and kind of influenced it into those genres, which was cool. And having a teacher at Berkeley, um, his name is Jeremiah, he helped me, you know, take that technique and put it into those kind of songs. And yeah, he was, he was very helpful in me growing my voice. And do you have any favorite musical artists? Like who are the people that you look up to who have inspired you? Oh, multiple. Um, 
in terms of classical, like a classical opera singer, I've always liked Kathleen Battle. And in terms of like R&B or just singers who technically just have amazing voices, Cynthia Revo, I love Tori Kelly. I listen to a lot of Shalea. Like she's worked with like Stevie Wonder and all those R&B singers. So yeah, she's uh-huh. she's amazing. Um, Ariana Grande obviously is a classic. She's unreal. Yeah, I would say those singers. Sarah Bareilles too, actually. She's one of my inspirations in terms of not only technically her voice, but just as a songwriter, just she just speaks from the heart and I can relate to her a lot. I love that you brought that up because this is how this all started. I was on your Instagram and you did a little snippet of a Sarah Brella song. And I said, oh my God, Amelia, please, you've got to sing that on the show for us. And you said, well, I only have like 30 seconds of it. I said, please, could you go into a recording studio or wherever you record your music and please sing the whole version of Little Voice because I was blown away by it. And you did exactly that. So thank you for doing that, for finding your bliss on Zoomer. We appreciate it. And without further ado, here is Amelia DeCola singing her cover of Little Voice. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Oh my God, Amelia, that was beautiful. I don't know if you saw, I was crying a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, you brought me to tears with that song. That was just so, your voice, your your phrasing, your tone, you're just such a beautiful singer. What do you love about singing that song? Oh man, I, well, for one, it's something I can relate to. I think, you know, growing up, I've always been kind of, you know, scared to come out of my shell, especially with singing in front of people. I kind of always did it behind closed doors. I don't know if you watched Sing the Movie, but uh, Tori clearly plays the elephant. I think her name's Mina, but uh, (laughs) I definitely relate to her because she has a wonderful voice, but she's always afraid to, you know, perform in front of people and getting used to it, growing older, like you definitely get used to it. But, um, you know, I always had that fear with performing. So I think Little Voice, you know, for me, it's kind of like, kind of being confident with who you are, accepting your flaws, accepting that, you know, yeah, I am shy, but this is me, you know, and not being afraid to to use your voice, not being afraid to show your talents or to show like what you can do, what you're good at. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think a lot of people are afraid to just take that step forward. But once you do, like people will cheer you on and be there for you and be your cheerleaders in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I I so relate to what you're saying, Amelia. It's really incredible. So let me ask you, this show is Finding Your Bliss. What is absolute joy and bliss for Amelia DeCola? The three things that matter to you the most, let's say that. Wow. Well, one is family. Family is super important to me. Um, Definitely having my family support me and my music has been, you know, anything anybody could ask for. I think my faith is very important. God, like I sing at church all the time. And I think that's definitely helped, you know, with my mental health, especially during a time where we had COVID and a lot of musicians, you know, struggled with being under pandemic because, you know, tours were canceled and singles got delayed and and all these things. So we had to kind of rely on online virtual kind of sessions and, you know, Instagram lives and all these kind of things. TikTok. TikTok was so huge and it's still huge to this day. You've told me two of your blisses. What's your final one? 
My final bliss, I would say, would be, I think loving yourself is huge. And I think, you know, in your 20s, you're you're going through the ropes. You're, it's always up and down. You don't know where your life's going to go. And you kind of just have to go with emotion and, you know, accepting yourself, even with your flaws. I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. You know, we there's things we love about ourselves, but there's also the parts where we have to work on, but at the same time, it's what makes us who we are. And just finding those people in your life that like really support you and accept you for who you are and even your flaws too. It's, it's so hard you know, to find genuine people like that is huge. So I think that, and I think that's something I'm still trying to navigate and, and work through, but I know, I know it's coming and uh, music definitely helps with that. What is your ultimate dream in this industry? My ultimate dream, you know, winning a Grammy or Juno, that would be nice. <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty nice. But will, uh, you come back, will you come back on the show when that happens? Because I think it will happen. But when it does, will you come back and tell us about it? I'll be like, yeah, it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> I would look so forward to that. <laughs> Amelia, what is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? So yeah, usually I post a lot of covers on my Instagram. So you could follow me at Amelia Decola, E-M-I-L-I-A-D-E-C-O-L-A. I'm also on TikTok as well, which is the same handle at Amelia Decola. Um, I post a couple of YouTube covers here and there, but mostly Instagram and TikTok. Love that. I encourage you all to check out some of these covers. They're all beautiful as this one was. And it's really been so wonderful to have you here today. It's really been delightful having you here. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you. I, I appreciate it so much. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. Also, I'm on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. All you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of my guests for being on the show today, Jenny Triansky and Amelia DeCola for her beautiful singing. Thank you also to Meg Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, Shelley Koskinen, associate producer and audio engineer, Naira Amani, senior editor, Lauren Kaminsky, video editor, Beatrice Pardal, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.